a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I'm your host, Brandon Thomas. Y'all, this episode was a lot of fun. I, we had Paul Wilson on the show. He's a life coach. He can be found at uh, Paul Wilson Life Coach on Instagram, as well as I will link to his podcast, uh, A Happy Head Podcast, in the show notes as well. Uh, he's a hypnotherapist, a life coach, just an all-around hilarious and amazing guy. Y- y'all are going to love this episode. It was so much fun. So without any further ado, Mr. Paul Wilson. All right, guys, today on the show, we have Paul Wilson. He is super awesome, and he is standing here with us. How are you, sir? I am very well, thank you, Brandon. It's been a very quiet uh, day for me because I've had a deliberately lazy day today, so I've been conserving my energy for this. Oh, okay. I am ready to go. Well, and I got to say, your uh, what we just did was you doing your expanding realities uh, for the show intro here uh, were brilliant. Uh, I'm just going to have to put out a clip of you doing that, actually. So look for that on YouTube, guys. Expanding reality on YouTube. Uh, Paul Wilson, uh, pleasure, man. Have a um, how's your hair doing there? I love I love the hair. Tell oh, me about that. This is I'm calling this the caveman look. Uh, before we went on air, you were saying it's like the mad scientist. Yeah. No, I think I think caveman, because in the UK, we're still in full lockdown, which means everything apart from pretty much supermarkets is closed and I can't get my hair cut. Now, I used to have my hair military style, you know, really, really, really short, which I wore it like that for years and years and years. Yes, I am that old. I know it's hard to believe, but I am that old. (laughs) And then I got bored with it and I started to kind of grow it out a little bit. But this is just like, I mean, look at it. I'll take my headphones off for a second. Look. It's, it's brilliant. So the YouTube video of this, guys, is going to be up. Uh, you can go check that out. I know for those listening, uh, you're going to just have to go check out the video. But, Paul, you're a handsome dude. You, they need to go see your video anyway with you on it. Yeah, you're going to come and see me on video as well as this as a podcast. If you don't, you're just missing out. And missing life out. is too short to miss out on me in full glorious Technicolor. So get with it. Watch the video. That's right. As I say on those kind of things, you only get so many spins around the sun. So enjoy every single one of them, right? Oh, God, yeah. I've wasted so much time in my life, to be honest, for various boring reasons. And I've realized that over the past few years that... We are here only once. It's not a buy one, get one free. It's not, you know, a try before you buy. It's not, a, you know, three for the price of two, any of that kind of crap. We're here once, well, unless you believe in certain conspiracy theories in which we're cloned and there's a big factory somewhere where when you die, they kind of churn out the little box and out comes another one. But I, I haven't heard that, that one. That's a fun one. I've heard all of them but that one, actually. That's fun. Well, I just created it, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> you said you, wanted, you well, wanted new ideas for conspiracy theories, so I'm just going to kind of create a few as we go along. What's great is I don't even need to want them. They just pop out like this. They're organic and they just occur and then they come to me and then I'm like, damn it, now I'm going to have to look into that. Okay, fine. Have you read a book called Existence by a guy called uh, David Brin? I have not. 
It is a brilliant, brilliant sci-fi book. It's superb. And, you know, scientists are currently saying that it's very difficult for them to actually demonstrate that we're not living in some kind of simulation. Ooh, yeah, we could talk about that if you'd like. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we could talk about that. But David Brin um, is in the future... And there's this guy in what they call a space debris recovery vehicle. Because you know there's so much crap circulating the Earth at the moment, yeah. all this, like the broken spaceships and satellites. Well, his job is to collect all this debris because obviously it's a danger to space stations and things. Yeah. And one of the things he collects um, from memory is a little rock. And some people, because, you know, the sea levels have risen and people are, are living on the edges of the sort of, I can't say it, sunken cities. Okay. And this guy's going diving, looking for sort of stuff to salvage. And he also comes at me on these little stones. And it turns out these little stones are like kind of mini spaceships containing the, the memories of a far distant forgotten super race awesome and this is how they propagate themselves and what they do is they give off technology to a new species that finds these rocks and kind of persuades the new technology to destroy themselves by building these vast cannons and then creating their own little mini spaceships and send them out into space huh so they're kind of very destructive ancient spe- species and that they want you to destroy yourself and create these little things and, and send them on the way. But the Earth, well, I'm not going to spoil the story because it's a really, really brilliant book. That is and a it brilliant talks book. About, talks about AR and VR, and it's got really advanced ideas on how people connect with the internet. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. Damn, Exit okay. Is, uh, David Breen. And I'm not even getting a commission for that, you know. So, David, if you're watching, you need to call me. That one's on the house. Contact Paul. We'll, we'll contact the show. I'll get you in touch with Paul. <laughs> uh, you know, what's interesting about that idea, though, uh, before we move on here, is is if you were to design something that you felt was perfect and then you send it out, right, The I would think one of the challenges logistically would be like, let's say they get a thousand years out and then they're like, damn, we should have put this upgrade into it because now we have a better version of it. So now the ones going out aren't as advanced or aren't as efficient or they had the wrong message or the guy that designed those things actually had a real nefarious thing in in mind and we've upgraded as a society since then evolutionarily and we shouldn't have sent those things out. Well, the the baseline of the story is that they believe that this ancient society was dying mm, mm-hmm. and so they had no kind of future technology that was it so, so they sent story. out what they had you know yeah kind of superman story you know where krypton is dying and mm-hmm. they stick superman baby in the in the spaceship <laughs> and off he goes you know <laughs> i like the concept of superman baby i think that's great well that's why he, well, he was a baby know, wasn't he? Yeah, know. They, but he wasn't superman and... yet it's just funny i, I like it the terminology is he had the s on his chest <laughs> when he was a baby don't give me that just you're getting too detailed i can see now you know, all right just, let me just, ask you this too so superman well, was impervious to bullet fire right superman yeah. himself his skin was impervious to bullet fire yep okay but his mom on earth made his suit why wouldn't his suit riddled with bullet holes because it was a movie and they (laughs) forgot. Jeez. And also, I mean, look, you know, have you ever thought about a movie and you think, well, if he'd turned left, Mm -hmm. he would have seen what was going on and he would have avoided all that trouble. Right. 
And he could have just, you know, found, uh, what was this, what was the film? I was watching something the other day and somebody said something brilliant. Ah, yeah, Lord of the Rings. I watched the trilogy again. Okay. You know, right at the very end of Lord of the Rings, um, the two little fellas, I've got their names now, they've just gone, they've thrown the ring into the volcano and they're surrounded, sitting on a rock and they're surrounded by um, lava. Yeah? Okay. And these eagles come out and pick them up and swoop off. That's convenient. Yeah. So why the hell didn't the eagles just pick them up right at the start, take them to the mountain so they could just drop the ring in, save everybody a lot of grief and a lot of death and a lot of pain? Yeah, I think those things, though, you know, and writers may think that. They bring that up in a meeting and they're like, oh, we can't do that. We have to have this whole scene of them walking up the mountain. It's got to be perilous. It's part of the journey. And this is the climax. But I'm with you. Yeah, just hire an eagle or just give him like something to eat real quick and have him fly over the damn mountain and drop it in. Yeah, yeah, but obviously then there's no books. And what there's if, no movie. And what if then you took a bunch of movies and it would be funny to make a film series and even a short video series to where they took all the obstacles and took them all out and then just did the most practical thing and it's a two-second movie or a one-minute movie, right? And you just change all these movies to where now they've got no conflict. They're like, oh, well, we could just figure this out this way and just do that that way. That'd be a good... I love I love the idea. If I had the skills and the time, I'd do that because you could go like in two minutes, you could destroy yeah. about 100 movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Or like the people that are like, don't go down that hallway, then just don't go down the hall and everything's yeah. fine. You know, <laughs> we're good. Don't go into that house. Okay. So they yeah. don't. Good call. Yeah. So they don't. <laughs> don't right. get in that car. Don't get in that car. Don't get in that car with him. Okay, okay, I won't. I've got to have a beer instead. <laughs> All right, well, hey, Paul, uh, tell my audience about you, man, um, and what you do, and, and then uh, i got some fun questions for you. We can keep it rolling here. I'm already having a blast. <laughs> what do I do? Okay, well, I am a mindset coach and hypnotist. When I say hypnotist, I, I mean hypnotherapist, because I don't like the, the word hypnotherapist because of the last seven or eight letters and what that word says. So I say I'm a hypnotist. And what I mean is I help people. I've always helped people in some way, shape or form, even when I was in the corporate world. And now I just kind of fell into this and I absolutely love what I do. It's great fun. It's, most people know what they need to do to get to where they want to be. But for whatever reason, they don't do it. And that's where I come in. I, you know, I help people find out what's stopping them from getting to where they want to be, and I do some stuff, and psh, we're there. Like one of these moves we're talking about. Rather than go through this long, horrendous journey and going you know, down the wrong road and down the wrong path and opening the wrong doors, I cut out all of that crap and help you to just get to where you want to be. You know, it's a smoother, straight, arrow kind of journey as possible, really. And so really, I mean, you remove obstacles uh, in people's journeys of their destination. And, and what you've probably figured out and found is that they're their biggest obstacle. Oh, we all are. We are all our biggest obstacle. We are all our biggest roadblock. We're all our biggest wall. And for a lot of people, sadly, is that they, they don't have a destination. They don't even know where they want to be in five years, 10 years, 50 years. And so you know, a lot of us just are like a river. We meander left and right and up and down and in this road and down that road. And, you know, we end up kind of like in the, in the care home, in the seniors home, age 85, thinking, where the hell did I go wrong? What, you know, what did I miss out? I missed out on all this good stuff. 
And that's why, I mean, we, we've been talking about conspiracy theories and a lot of people are very angry with people that, you know, are into conspiracy theories. I'm not. If you want to believe that our aliens are watching us and they've given us technology to do X, Y, and Z, fine, go for it. As long as you're not trying to force me to believe it and try to kind of force things down my throat. I don't care what you believe. If you want to believe Jesus was an astronaut from Mars yeah. or we never landed on the moon or the, you know, uh, the Sasquatch and the Loch Ness Monster and the Yeti and God knows what else are real, fine. I have no problem with this all. But also what you've got to give me permission to do is to laugh sometimes at some of the stories that come out, some of these conspiracies, because it goes both ways. If you want to believe in this, you've got to accept that some people are going to not believe in it. They're going to have a bit of a giggle like, like we've been doing. Oh, we've been having a blast, man. Yeah, yeah, because we were talking about that a little bit before we started. And to your point about uh, the direction of focus, you know, there's this great quote uh, from Alice in Wonderland with the Cheshire Cat. And he said, where are you going? And she said, I don't know. And he said, well, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Absolutely right. If you don't know where you're going, why worry about which door you open? Why worry about what decision? Because, you know, we are where we are today because of every single decision that we've made up to this point. Now, I've had conversations with people and they've gone, no, 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 Paul, that's not true. Because when we're kids, we don't have choices. Well, I disagree. You have a choice to put in your best effort at school. You have a choice to do your homework. You have a choice not to follow the group of idiots that are all wearing the same T-shirts and the same whatever. You have a choice to be a bully or not to be a bully. You have a choice to play soccer or not play soccer. So there's lots of choices and lots of decisions that we, we make as children that impact as we go along. Now, me and academia, we just never got on. And I left school at 15, 16, and with virtually no qualifications. Now, I understand that I'm a grown-up now. My life would have been so much different if I'd actually knuckled down and done the work at school. I could have maybe gone to university. My whole life would have been different. Now, I'm not saying I'm regretting the decisions I've made, but what I'm saying is if I'd made different decisions as a child, I'd be in a different position now. And we all are. And one of the biggest things we need to do is accept that because people love to blame, love to blame the government, love to blame this political party, love to blame this section of the the nation, love to blame their neighbours, their friends, their lovers, their mothers, their brothers. They love to blame everybody, but they don't want to accept responsibility. And until you do that, you're, you're going nowhere. Yeah. Absolutely. And what they should really be blaming is not only themselves, but the reptilians running the world. Yeah, it's the reptilians. And <laughs> I was trying the, to see if I could the, the Illuminati. <laughs> the Illuminati are actually ancient reptiles that love smoking cigars and dressing like old white men. Everybody knows it. I mean, we're just rehashing things that's common knowledge. Yeah, yeah, Sky's yeah, blue. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> if you don't believe that, you don't believe anything. Come on. This is over. Yeah. <clears throat> just, you know, stop it. As actually, do, I only said it right when you took a drink of water because I was trying to see if you'd spit it out on the computer. But, no, um, no, 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 no. You're going to do better than that. <laughs> okay. I'll step my game up. No sweat. <laughs> All right. So how did you get into the work that you do? Because you said that you were in corporate oh. world before, and it sounds like you and I share a common goal, which is uh, to give people back to themselves. That's like the whole point of all of this. How long have you got? Let's see. Right. I spent 25 years in an organization called uh, Eurotunnel, which um, is a 
closed fixed link between the UK and continental Europe, which is between kind of Folkestone, where I live. Now, for those of you who don't know the UK that well, Folkestone is about 70 miles southeast of London. And then we connect with uh, Calais, just outside of Calais in France, which is at the north end of France. And it's a rail link under, under the English Channel, so about 45 metres below the seabed. Wow. And we have two rail tunnels, sort of one going in one direction, one in the other direction, and then there's like a service road down the middle. Yeah. And I was there for 25 years doing a various kinds of roles. Now, for the last couple of years, I've been drafted into a role that wasn't really me. And, you know, me being me, I gave it my best shot and did, the, you know, what I could to get this to work for me. But it just wasn't my thing. It just wasn't my thing at all. Anyway, I had my own personal Independence Day on the 3rd of October 2017. And I got knocked off my bicycle on the way to work. And for those of you that are not watching this live or you know, on YouTube, yeah. shame on you, because I'm now pointing <laughs> to both sides of my right elbow, because that's the two bones that I broke. Now, I'm right-handed. And so I couldn't work. The doctor signed me off work for six weeks. So I'm sitting at home, really bored, because I can't even type or draw or do anything. And I'm thinking, do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? Not for 24-7, you know, but most of the time that I was off during those six weeks. This is the kind of thought that I was having. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't make a decision. I love photography. Photography is my passion. And I thought to myself, well, look, if we quit, we could become a professional photographer. And that was the kind of thing that was spinning around my head. Anyway, long story short, I'm back at work. I'm trying to wade through all the mail, get into my office. And as I'm getting into my office, turn the computer on, the head of HR walks past my office and goes, hi, Paul, how's the arm? And I go, hi, Nick, the arm is fine. And this next bit, I've got no idea where it came from. But I said to him, have you got a minute? And he went, yeah, yeah, come around to my office. Within about six weeks, I was out of the company on the exact date of my 25th anniversary. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, right, okay, I'm now going to become a professional photographer. I spoke to several professional photographers who'd been in the business for like 25, 30 years, and they said to me, Paul, don't do it. Don't do it, mate. <laughs> I said, why not? Are you, are, you, are you frightened of the competition that Paul yeah. Wilson is going to come in and just take everything over from me? He said, no, 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 we're not worried about the competition. But every person, and again, for those of you not watching this video, shame <laughs> on you. I'm now holding my mobile phone. And, you know, they, they were saying, look, everybody with one of these, I'm shaking my mobile phone now. <laughs> everybody with one of these now calls themselves a photographer. And that means that the kind of the bottom has fallen out of the market because people will work for free. They will work for exposure. Yeah. And, you know, or they'll work for, you know, really, really, really cheap. And it's just kind of knocked the bottom out of all the various options of being a professional photographer. And I just thought to myself, do I really want to do that to my passion, to my hobby? Do I want to turn it into this horrible drudging, having to, you know, work like a maniac? And I thought, no. So that then put the scuppers on my kind of like main thing of what I was going to do next. So 2018, I thought, okay, right. 
let us explore different things and have some fun and have a good time. And I did. 2018 was a brilliant year for me. <laughs> I did a, a social dynamics course. I took on a personal trainer, lost a lot of fat, put on a bit of muscle. I did um, a 12-week stand-up comedy course, a whole load of other things. And the comedy course in London. And to graduate, I had to do a, a five-minute gig, which sounds not a lot of time, but I tell you, to put material together, just do five minutes is incredible. And I have a newfound admiration for people like Joe Rogan now because what you have to do to put a, a set together that lasts an hour and a half can take like 18 months to two years because what they'll do is they'll have an idea, they'll put some material together, and then they'll start going to like local comedy clubs around the country. And with every gig they do, they're modifying, they're remolding, they're adapting the material until 18 months later, someone like Joe Rogan gets the TV special, the Netflix special, and he's got it honed down. But did you know this? Have you ever watched a Netflix special, a comedy one, really closely? Yeah. This is a question for you, Brandon. I have. You watch I, this? I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Yeah. Have you seen the audience, audience. change yep. like magic? Yep. And that's because they spent 18 months, two years getting this show ready. They don't want to waste a single joke. So they'll film it over three or four nights with the comedian wearing the, the same, not exactly the same clothes, but the same, you know, the same model of T-shirt, the same model of jeans. And they'll cut the show so that they'll have an hour's material of people laughing at all the jokes. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny because it took me a while to realize this. I think, hang on a minute, there was a lady there in a yes. yellow dress. Yes. And then they'd cut a few seconds later and go, what the hell's going on? Then I realized, I asked a few people questions. No, no, that's what happens, Paul. Because, it, you know, they want to get the most out of the material. Yeah. So, I did my set and I absolutely loved it because I had some hecklers. I had a couple of hecklers and they, my material just went out the window. I didn't need it because the hecklers were, you know, going at me and I was just giving it back. Yeah. And the audience loved it. And I thought, wow, I just love this. Now, one thing very clear, I didn't do this course to become a stand-up comic. I wanted to expand my comfort zone. And then you see the, the word expand. A lot of people talk about stepping out of your comfort zone. But listen, if you step out of a room, you've left the room and you have to step back in the room again, don't you? Yeah. So if you step out of your comfort zone and do something, we don't take that back with you, do you, kind of? So if you, but if you expand your comfort zone, it means that you're, you're prepared and able and you've done new things. That becomes part of you. I love that. I and so yeah. I, I expanded my comfort zone by doing this comedy show, uh, this, well, this comedy training thing, and I loved it. Met some brilliant people, some of whom who are now working the, the circuit to become professional comedians and power to them because it's, it's a tough gig because that's completely the opposite to the photography. You're going to gigs to do a, you know, you're traveling around London, say, three, four, five, six nights a week. You're paying your own expenses. If you're lucky, you might get paid, you know, let's say $10, $20, $30, a very, very small amount to do a five-minute or a 10-minute set. And you're doing it in, in rooms where people are completely ignoring you. There's music playing, you know, like one of the movies that you see where somebody sometimes could become a really big star and they show you the early days kind of thing. It's, it's yes. like that. Yeah. And anyway, so... My personal trainer 
getting back to me because obviously this is a whole point of the story. Me, please, it's your name on the show. Yeah, yes, Paul <laughs> Wilson show. And so my personal trainer also happens to be a hypnotist, and he says, "Paul, look, we've got this weekend coming along in a couple of weekends' time, and as you're paying me loads of money to transform your body, you can come along for free." And I went, "I've got nothing on that weekend, so cool." It was a Saturday. So I went along and they had this kind of not new, but different approach to hypnosis. And there was about four of us there and we partner up and I'm working with this lady who's afraid of, and this will make you laugh because you live in Texas uh-huh. and you've got proper snakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This lady was afraid of worms and snakes. Now in the UK, there are snakes, but they're incredibly, incredibly shy and incredibly, incredibly rare. You've probably got more chance of winning the lottery three times in a row and being struck by lightning 18 times in a row than actually seeing a snake in the wild in the UK. Okay. Okay. So, but she was petrified of them. So I'm doing the work and we were having fun and I get rid of her snake phobia. Okay. Yeah. Great. Fine. Whatever. The very next day I'm back at home and she sends me a video. And again, I'm demonstrating for those of you that aren't watching this on the YouTube channel, shame on you. I've now got my phone up and this is a, I'm, I'm going out like a, a reminiscence. That's not the right word. A replay, let's say of husband is walking along in the woods with the family and he goes, careful, darling. There's a big worm on the floor just there. You have to walk around it. And she goes, no, 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 it's okay. And this lady who was petrified of anything that riddled on the floor, she gets down on her hands and knees and very, very carefully scoops up this worm in her hands and carries it to a patch of grass and very gently lays on this patch of grass. Now, husband almost drops his phone. He launches a stream of expletives because he he can't believe what he's just seen. And I'm sitting there thinking, bloody hell, I've got a superpower. Uh, Yeah, that is a superpower, man. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it was bloody incredible. So I went back to my personal trainer. Okay, who trained you? This person. I went to train with that person who trained you. I went to train with that person. I went all the way up the food chain as far as I could go. I bought every course, every book, every bit of thing I could do with hypnosis. And I said, right, that's it. This is my thing. I want to be a hypnotherapist. I got myself qualified and... I had to do uh, six or between six and 10 case studies. And so lots of friends and neighbors, I sort of called them into action. And there's a lady, a really, really good friend of mine. And she's a, an alpha female, a really, really strong, powerful woman. And she's absolutely, or she was absolutely petrified of spiders. Again, in the UK, we only have little tiny things, nothing dangerous like you guys have in the States. But she was petrified of spiders and so scared that um, the night before her and her husband were due to buy this beautiful dream home in the country, she had this nightmare. She's laying in bed and all these millions and millions of spiders come down on land on her face. She tells her husband, I can't buy the house. So they withdraw from the purchase of this dream home. So I do some work with the lady. And again, uh, a few days later, and this is she's very, very glamorous. She's never seen outside without, you know, full war paint and all the gear. <laughs> she sends me this video uh, about a week later, and she's in the kitchen in a dressing gown, and hers a mess, and she goes, look what I've done, Paul, look what I've done. And she turns her camera around, and on the kitchen sort of worktop surface is an upturned glass with a piece of paper underneath it and a spider. 
Now, this is a lady that would leave a house if her husband wasn't in the house to remove a spider she'd seen, wow. or she'd get a neighbor and she would stay outside. And there she is in the house all by herself with a, a spider she's captured and she's about to let go in the garden. Now, this wasn't a lady who wanted to be able to, like, you know, go and touch tarantulas or anything like that. She just wanted to be able to deal with spiders. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this, wow. And so now I've helped people who've had drink problems, had people that have had, you know, trouble with wanting to quit smoking, lose yeah. weight, all that kind of thing. And but what I realized was that a lot of those kind of things that I'm working on or was working on were the symptoms of a deeper issue. And I wanted to help people deal with that issue. But when you're doing one or two or three sessions of hypnosis, you don't really have the time to deal with that. So that's why I kind of morph, morphed into becoming a coach. Yeah. Because I can use my hypnosis skills in the coaching to get rid of the blocks and help the client get to where she or he wants to be. Now, anybody that you hypnotize, especially uh, the two examples that you just mentioned, did they ever regress because they didn't address the major symptom or did it stick and they just, no, you just stuck. basically zapped out that part, that fear in their mind? Yeah, that's it. It, it zapped. You know, the, the lady with the snake phobia, she's perfectly fine now. My friend with the spider thing, she regularly kind of reminds me, she said, look, I've got another one today, Paul. Wow. That's it's incredible. Um, I mean, and the power of the mind is absolutely incredible. And basically, so what you're doing is you're reprogramming the way that people think and interact with their world. And and basically, you're reprogramming the way that they think and interact with themselves. Not reprogramming as such. I would say it's removing. Oh, okay. Okay. That's like, like um, let's say, you know, you've got a jigsaw puzzle and it's complete, but the center part of the jigsaw puzzle, you've put, you put all the pieces in the wrong place. Oh, okay. You kind of like hammered them down. Yeah. So you've got this beautiful picture around the outside, but the middle bit looks really fuzzy and like, oh, this is just this is wrong. So what I do is with the client is we take all those bits of the jigsaw puzzle out and we realign them so they match as they were supposed to match. Damn, that's a great analogy. Okay, cool. That's fascinating. I mean, our, our imaginations are fabulous. This is again why I really smile with people that want to believe in conspiracy theories because if you use your imagination, it can take you to the end of the universe and beyond. It can take you to the lizard people that smoke cigars and look like old white men. It can do whatever you want it to do. It's such a, it's so sad that people sort of give up using their imaginations once we've got, you know, we've stopped being small children turning to adults. Because imagination is fabulous, incredible. It, it can do amazing things. Yeah. So, and maybe that's part of the whimsy and attraction of it. Maybe it's not out of a as a di out of a distrust of the government or the official narrative, which I think that has a lot to do with it. And we actually have a lot of reason to question those things as a conspiracy analyst myself. But I will say that it is basically like a whimsy. It's like a it's a thought experiment type thing because I love the thought experiments of it. You know, uh, and I've said this a probably to every damn show now is I don't watch sports, I don't watch the Real Housewives of whatever. Uh, I don't get wrapped up into all that stuff. So what I choose to fill my time with is interesting thought experiments, awesome books, talking to really cool and interesting people. And that's kind like of me, like me. I was pointing to you. If you're not, oh, I was going to say, and if you're not watching YouTube, then you didn't see that I just pointed to the beautiful haired Paul Wilson right here. So. It's a shame that you're not watching this and on shame YouTube. Shame on you. That's right. Thank you. Come get on, on the YouTube. Get, come on, Brandon. You know, I'm trying to help you here, man. Sort yourself out. <laughs> you're doing it. And I appreciate that. So, uh, but it is part of that whimsy. It's part of that thought experiment thing. That's, that's kind of uh, what it does come down to because who wants to sit there and just go, okay, well, this person did this thing on this show or go, 
damn, we might be living in a simulated reality. And man, you know, this all could just be a simulation. And if that's the case and we do have control over it, I want to see how I can hack this reality that we live in. And then you think of something like a blue car and then all you see are blue cars. It's these it's these fun little tricks that you could play on the, let's say, reality or the universe, however you want to put it, that excites the hell out of me, man. You've watched The Matrix, I take it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I believe the Matrix is real, but not in the way they use it in the movie. Because in the movie, robots and machines have taken over and they use humans as batteries. But I really believe that we are living in the Matrix of a world that we've made up ourselves, all the blocks and limitations and negative stuff. I agree. But you could get rid of all of that and escape the matrix and go into this beautiful place where you achieve whatever you want to achieve and be the kind of person that you want to be. Completely. I mean, if you think, look at it this way, every single thing that's around you, Brandon, the clothes you're wearing, the microphone, the the headset, the, the stuff in the background, all of that at one stage was, didn't exist. Right. Right. Did not exist. So somebody who's sitting there going, think of Marconi. Marconi's going, they've got light waves. And I wonder if there's a wave that I can use that I can send this message to somebody on the other side of the planet or the other side of the United States or whatever. And, you know, he's sitting there and he's thinking, I wonder how that would work. And he starts experimenting and starts you know, making bits of equipment. To, to, and eventually we get, you know, radio. I know how it worked. He took 17 of Nikola Tesla's patents and did it just, well, I think weeks before he could or days before he could. So that was Tesla's technology that did that, but it did take Tesla creating it for Marconi to put it together and steal the idea from him. Yes. I oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Tesla. Tesla had the imagination to think about things. The thing is, though, Tesla was an idiot because Tesla oh. was, a, was, a, was a nice guy in the sense of he didn't realize that people would steal stuff because that's yeah. what they did in those days you know oh that's a great idea that idiot hasn't painted it or i'm going to call it something i'm going to call it the blue thing mm -hmm. and i'm just going to take that and run with it yeah he you was know? sweet in the way that he felt that the technology should be free to everybody and that everybody should use it and that was also his downfall is because we don't live in a world that's conducive to that or we don't have a system that's conducive to that and that's what the war of the wattages was with edison that was what it was all about Hmm. Edison was a business. Edison was an inventor, but he was also a businessman. He he knew that you know the world needed stuff, and if he could provide the stuff, he'd be a wealthy man. You know. And then Tesla knew that the world needed stuff. He could do it better and do it in a way that everyone would benefit from it equally. And people in charge didn't want that because they couldn't make money on it. And so there's there's a difference in ideology behind it. And what won out was the more nefarious one, which is one that could be metered. And that's why Edison won out. Tesla was just too sweet. I love that. The people in charge didn't <laughs> want it to happen. They didn't. Da, 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 da. They succeeded. <laughs> and they continue oh, to succeed. Dear. And they're called lizard people. They're back into some room smoking cigars right now and laughing at all of us for believing we landed on the moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, Tesla was an amazing character, a really amazing character. Yeah, but yeah. he was just, he was born in, what's the word I'm looking at now? He was brought in the wrong multiverse. Wrong oh, okay. Yeah. Or the right because one, it, because it gave us an opportunity and we, we screwed it up. Possibly. 
But you think of it, if you believe in multiple, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Multiverse. Yeah, I totally subscribe to this. Parallel universe is oh, all that. Parallel, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, parallel mm-hmm. universe. There's probably another parallel universe where we figured all this stuff out and money doesn't exist and people invent stuff and we all benefit in some way, shape or form. So he was born in the wrong parallel universe was Tesla because he had some great ideas but was such a naive or a non-business, let's not call him naive, let's say he wasn't Mm, mm business-minded. And there were other people around him who were business-minded and went, hmm, yeah, that looks cool, we can use that. This idiot's giving it away, so let's take it and make people pay for it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because that's how the world's go round, it always has done. Since caveman days, we exchanged beads, or we exchanged shells and this kind of stuff. And then it became money, became, you know, bits of silver or bits of gold, and then it became paper. So we've always had this kind of commerce on this particular, you know, parallel universe. But yeah, exchanged goods or currencies for service. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, well, I love the multiverse thing. And so you're you're already right there with me on that. I actually have a pretty cool life hack that mentally I've been messing with lately. And whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter because it's tr- it it makes me feel differently about it. You want me to share it with you? Yeah, maybe something it. you could share with some patients as well. Um, so it's a bit woo-woo, but it's a lot of fun. So let's take the idea that there is a parallel universe. Now, this is not my idea. I got this from some video that I saw and I've been implementing it and it's been crazy how the how the results seem to be the results that I'm looking for. Okay. So just hear me out on this. So basically in the morning, if you subscribe to the multiverse theory, which we all just talked about now in that theory, you're in parallel worlds theory. There's an infinite number and our minds can't really wrap our heads around infinite, meaning that everything, me and you are still having this conversation in an infinite number of worlds. It's just one of those light bulbs back there is burned out. And then in another scenario, the other one is burned out and that one works just fine. In another scenario, your desk is on the other side. This is how deep this stuff goes. So if that's the case, and there are small, slight things, imperceivable to change from our perspective, then why couldn't we consciously, if we're all uh, the same consciousness, right? You got to subscribe to that idea for this to work too. Then why can't we just shift between those parallel dimensions? There's a, <clears throat> a way that I've found to do it to where it's basically like do it in the morning whenever you're taking a shower. So what I do is I get in the shower and I shut that shower curtain. Now, all I can see and experience is what's going on exactly in that shower, right? The world outside to me, I think is there um, because I observed it whenever I got in the shower, but I don't know what's really going on out there because I, as the observer in a quantum realm, don't know that it's what's going on or what happens. It's the Schrodinger's cat idea, right? Is it dead in the box or is it alive? The answer is yes. Okay. It's both things because both things are possible. They only change when you observe them. Now, If that's the case, and, we, and you're still listening to this, and you're still watching this on YouTube, and if you're not, shame on you, then uh, what you do is, is that you envision the world that you want to step out into with intent, with direction, with focus. And then you, before you turn off the water, you say, I'm stepping out into this reality where blank. And you do it focused and with intention. Then what you do is you turn the water off, you open the shower curtain, and you imagine yourself, because you are, stepping into one of these parallel dimensions where you're closer to your goals or where everything is lined up for you to succeed no matter what. I think that's a great idea. And also, I think there's a lot of parallels in truth there because think about this. We don't actually know what's going on out in the world, even in front of our noses, because our brain is blind. Yes, exactly. And the vision coming into you, you think about it before it's processed before you actually see. 
So it goes yeah, through yeah, your yeah. frontal frontal uh, cortex first. So you you think about it. You uh, judge it, right? And then your your brain, because your brain, we would go insane if we took in every single detail of every single thing that's going on around us. We'd go insane because uh, I don't know. There's a billion pieces of information when you think about your skin temperature and all kinds of different things. But the brain goes, okay, Paul doesn't need to know that. It doesn't need to know that. It doesn't need to know that. It doesn't need to know that. And you used a brilliant analogy uh, about the blue car. Every single person watching, shame on you if you're not, and listening has gone through this experience. You've just bought a new car. Okay. You've been thinking about a blue Tesla. Yeah, absolutely. You've just gone to the showroom. You've handed over your money. You've filled out the reams and reams and reams of paperwork, even though you've actually paid for the bloody thing yourself. And you think, I'm now the proud owner of a blue Tesla. It's a unique car. You get in, you put your seatbelt on, you turn the engine on, you drive off the forecourt onto the road, and you look around, and all you see are blue Teslas. Yep. Now, why is that? It's very simple, because up until the minute you decided to buy a blue Tesla, it meant nothing to you. It was irrelevant. You know, it's like a, a pink elephant. You don't think of pink elephants. But the second you decide you want to buy a blue Tesla, your brain goes, hmm, Paul's really interested now in blue Tesla, so we better start showing them to him. And so, of course, you see everywhere now blue Teslas. It's just one of those things. It's just bizarre. Really, really is. I'm just adjusting my flux because it's just clicking excuse me until no you're good and actually i do want to point out though uh for the people watching they just saw this but the second that you went like this you basically conducted an orchestra of a wee sound coming out of your computer it was spot on it was right on time so let me ask you this because the blue car thing is is great and it is an analogy everybody can empathize with okay but what if you were to take the analogy of the car and replace it with the word opportunity yeah, that is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, thought, Brandon, because a lot of people walk around with blinkers on. You know, like horse races, Yeah, when the horse comes out of the gate, they have blinkers on so they don't see the horses either side. Yep. Many, 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 many people go through life with blinkers on. They only see what they expect to see and want to see. And in a sense, social media is doing the same thing to people because social media now, you can tune your channels only to hear what you want to hear or watch what you want to watch and what you believe in. So let's say that you believe that reptiles dressed as old white men smoking scars is the way the world is run. Call back. And that's all you believe. Mm-hmm. Then your entire social media feed will just replicate that for you yeah. and just confirm your bias. Yeah? Yeah. Because if you decide that the world is full of opportunity – and it's not full of hurdles. It's not full of negativity. And guess what? Just like you stepping out into the shower and thinking, okay, I'm in a new universe today and I'm going to do this thing. If you decide to believe in opportunities and the world is a brilliant place, that's what you get. That's what you'll get. It's absolutely incredible. It's like um, the world is really a beautiful place. Bad stuff happens. I'm not that naive. I'm not Tesla. Bad stuff does happen. But when you take the seven and a half billion people and the size of the planet, that bad stuff takes up a, a state smaller than Texas somewhere in the world. If you, could, if you could condense all the bad stuff and all the negativity, it would take up a very, very small space. Kind of like you but, guys did with Australia. But, you know... People that believe in negativity and bad stuff, that's all they see. 
That's all they see. Oh my God, no, there's another thing's happening, another policeman's done this and that's happened and that's happened. The world is a horrible place. Whereas if you flip that switch, if you step out the shower into a world of opportunity, yeah. guess what? Yeah. That's all you're you going to see opportunities everywhere. And it's, everywhere. The sh- it's the trade-off, right? Because yes, if you see one, you're going to see one over the other. Because if you are occupying your existence or your reality with opportunity, the hurdles and the horribles are much, much smaller and few and mm. far between because your opportunity is what's occupying the bulk of your reality, right? But yeah. the opposite is true as well. If you see and think, oh, I'm gonna, this is going to suck or you know, I suck or life is just horrible, then that's going to consume the bulk of your reality. And the opportunities are going to look few and far between. The only change, thing that changed is the way that you see it. Yeah, every, everything is the same. Everything is the same. It's just that you decide that you're only going to focus on the blue car. I think this is the secret to the universe, isn't it? I believe it. Did we just do it? Did we just break the universe? Did we just unravel all of it? <laughs> I think we did, buddy. The problem is, is that like conspiracy theories, people don't want to believe it. Well, and people that's tr- don't want to believe that it is, it is, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's simple to flick the switch. You still have to do the work. Yep. You're not going to become, you know, I mean, there's this big thing about becoming a millionaire. You're not going to become a millionaire overnight just because you now, you're open to opportunities. So you still got to get your, your sleeves rolled up and do the work, but it means you see the opportunities that get you to the next step of where you want to be. And that's why I do with my clients. I help my clients get rid of all the crap that's in front of their eyes and because they can't see the opportunities, they get rid of all that stuff out of the way so they can see, oh, my God, yeah, Paul, I thought about this, I thought about that, I thought about the other. But people just don't want to believe that the switch, flipping that switch is so simple. People want to make life hard and tough. And, you know, you've got to work 17 hours a day and you've got to work, you know, eight days a week and all this. It's a slog. Yeah, you can if you want. Yeah, yeah. But, other, you know, Opposite to that, you can make things a lot easier by believing in that you, we are in a beautiful place and you can do some amazing things. And you don't have to be like um, Edison. You don't have to pinch off people. You can help people. Yep. The more you help other people, strange as it seems, the more help comes to you. Yes, it's the same. It's an echo chamber. It's a reverberation. So let me, let me ask you this because this is actually a question I had for you. So if what would you say is the simplest thing? So if, if we're talking about flipping that switch, what that has to do with is number one, knowing that you're powerful enough to do it and knowing that by making that decision, you're rewiring neurons in your brain. You're, tr- you're undoing old habits, you're undoing conditioning from your childhood, traumas, whatever. Uh, and you're, you're rewiring the way that you receive information and the way you perceive your reality and your value or your place in it. So to that point, what's what's an easy life hack? Because anyone can do this. I, I think that that's going to be the damn title of this episode. Anyone can do this. We're all powerful. So what is the life hack, a simple one or a few, that you could get folks that are listening? And if you're not watching, oh. shame on you. If you're, if you're listening, <laughs> then uh, what is a good one to get them started on this? This is so simple and yet so important. Catch yourself. And what I mean by that is... When you're about to say, I can't do that, I'm so lazy, I find that really hard, I'm just crap at this, or I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too that, catch yourself and switch it so it's positive. So, for example, say you, I don't know how to do this. 
I just don't know how to do this. Don't say that. I'm in the process of learning how to do this. I'm learning. I don't know how to do, I don't know how to program a computer. I'm learning how to program a computer. It's the same thing. You're saying the same thing, but one is negative and bringing you down. One is positive and more optimistic. I'll never find a job. I'm doing what I need to do to make myself more attractive to employers. I'm, you know, I'm out looking for work. I'll never find a job. If your brain thinks you never find a job, guess what? You ain't never going to find a job. If you keep repeating that and repeating it and repeating it, you're never going to find a job. Whereas if you say to yourself, I'm in the process of finding my dream job, and what I'm doing is X, Y, and Z, that's a much more positive thing. And I'm not going to say you're going to find a job today, but you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to see opportunities. You're going to hear something or someone's going to say something. You're going to watch a show like Expanding Reality and go, oh, wow, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. So catch yourself because we say so many negative things about ourselves every minute of every single day. There's the internal chatter. There's also when you're sitting there having a beer with your friends or with your family and one of your friends says, um, Paul, why don't you do this? Oh, I can't do that. Why do you say to yourself, you can't do that when you've never done it? You don't know. You've never even had a go at it. Yep. Yep. I agree. I completely agree. And there's that quote by Abraham Lincoln, I believe, and it was whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Absolutely. That is so true. Now, let me put a caveat on here. If you're 60, I know I don't look 60. It's okay. Just skip past that. And you want to be an astronaut or you want to play NBA for one of the really, really big teams, that is highly unlikely. Yeah. If you want to learn, to, if you want to jump off a cliff and pretend you're a bird and fly, you're going to die. Right. So there are, you know, we, there are some caveats, but generally speaking, you can change your life by doing these small, little, tiny hacks, what I call them. There's another one I've got for you. Eliminate from your dictionary, from your mind, the word try. Yes. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try and be a better person. I'm going to try and lose weight. I'm going to try and get some exercise. Because when you use the word try, it's like, well, I might make an effort. I might do a little bit of this. It's, whereas if you say, I'm going to do X, that means you're going to do it. Now, you may not do it very well because it's your first time, but that's irrelevant. The fact is you're going to do it. Well, if you say, I try, I'm going to try, then listen to it when you say it to yourself, yeah, as opposed to I'm going to do or I am doing. Right, right. Again, Yoda, one of my favorite characters, we actually know he's a real person, he's yes. a real alien, Yoda. Smoking cigars, yeah. Uh, do or do not. There is no try. And this comes from the, the second of the original Star Wars series where Luke is trying to get the spaceship to come out of the, the pond and he's doing all the, 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 the Yoda, you know, Jedi stuff and it isn't working. And he says something along the lines of, oh, I'm trying, but I can't make it work. And Yoda, who's a tiny little, you know, alien, says that phrase, do or do not, there is no try, and then proceeds to lift the the spaceship using his Jedi powers out of the, the pond. So don't try, do. 
So we uh, actually met on Instagram, right? Uh, so we, uh, I'll link, I'll link to your uh, Instagram in the uh, show notes there. But on my Instagram, Expanding Reality, I have a thing that right when you said it, I was thinking about it. There's a post of a cartoon. It's two panels, and it says, "Don't be a triceratops, be a doceratops." Oh, that is so corny. I know it's great. It's great, and it remember. And there's the and the triceratops is like got arms and he's flexing his muscles and everything. But it's a good silly way to remember to think that way. I love it. I'll share it with you. Uh, you can go and pass that around. That one's on me, buddy. Just go for it. Listen, listen, listen. Dinosaurs <laughs> never existed because the Earth is only six thousand years old. Oh my Stop god! That nonsense. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. That one. That's where I draw the damn line. We could talk about it, but you're absolutely wrong. You might be right, actually. I don't know. No, we don't no. know because I, mean, I wasn't a, around back then. <laughs> there is um, an excavation going on in eastern Turkey called Golbekli Tepe, yeah, which go- is um, a city that was deliberately buried not accidentally buried by a volcano the people that lived in this city they deliberately buried it and get this it's about twelve thousand years old and that's been proven that's beyond question so how can the earth be only six thousand years old if we found the ruins of a city that is proven to be 12,000 years old. Well, and Gobekli Tepe uh, has a bunch of negative reliefs on the columns there. And look this stuff up, guys, if you've never seen this. Uh, It's incredible. And so that was also, though, the time in our ancient past that people were saying that we were still nomads and hunter-gatherers and we had no Mm -hmm. sense of agriculture, but you couldn't have a civilization like that if we were that primitive. So it actually bumps humanity's intelligence as a civilization back quite a bit. I mean, almost double, right, what the earlier estimates of it were. Absolutely. Yeah, I love definitely. that. I love that, man. I love that kind of stuff. Um, okay, I love your life hack. Uh, would you add uh, gratitude to the list? Because I think that's an easy one. Gratitude is another easy one. We have so much to be grateful. There's, there's a phrase that really bugs me. Well, it doesn't bug me. It just find it slightly annoying. I'm a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman. That is complete balderdash, one of my favorite words. If you don't understand what it means, look it up. I like it's complete garbage, basically. Yeah. There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman or a self-made person. You were born. Somebody fed you. Somebody gave you clothes. Somebody cared for you. You had teachers. You had friends. Um, Again, talking about Tesla and Edison, you were inspired. Let's be polite. You were inspired by somebody else's work. Everything you've done up until this moment, yes, you've done the work. Yes, you've used your imagination. But you've done it off the backs of other people in the sense that you've had mentors and coaches and friends and parents and brothers and sisters and history. Yes. History is a big one. You didn't invent that cell phone that you made those contacts on. You didn't invent that car that got you to wear it. Now now that's a self-made man. If he were to go out, pull the materials from the earth, forge the metal in on a, off a hammer he built, you know, that's and you're right. I, I think pointing out the ridiculousness of that is awesome. That is absolutely yeah, awesome. yeah. And one other thing that really ticks me off, uh, those people that are self-employed or work for themselves are employers and that knock people who are employed. Yeah, yeah. So how the hell could you have your Starbucks or how the hell could you exist without people that are in jobs? How about people that knock anybody that has a different choice than them? Yeah, you know? oh, that's yeah, absolutely. Be very reductive and just do a blanket on it. Yeah, 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 completely. I mean, okay. And yeah, I, I laugh 
in a gentle way that people believe in conspiracies. But if you want to believe in them, fine. It's, it's your right to believe in that kind of stuff. In that kind, no, right is, is the wrong word. But you know what I mean. You you can believe whatever you want to believe. Sure, yeah? it doesn't it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah, as long as you don't try and force feed it to other people. And this goes with yeah. any idea, not even yeah. just any idea. Just let people live their life, live and let live. As long as they're not hurting anybody else, guys, just let them go. You know. And but I, what a what I will say about it, though, is open yourselves to having interesting conversations where you can think about fun things. It'll it'll get you out of your current way of thinking about stuff. And I think that that's what's so nice about conspiracy theories is it makes you kind of question a couple of the things. Look into flat Earth. I mean, the Earth is probably not flat, but look into it because they've got some interesting things to say about it. And it's fun. It's like watching a fun movie, you know, <laughs> go for it. Oh, I mean, I haven't flown that often, but every time I do fly, I've seen the curvature of the earth. And I've been to mountains, and I've stood on the tops of mountains, and I've seen, you know, the edge. And my question for people in the flat earth, where, where, how does the water stay? How uh, do ocean, oceans stay where they are? If it's, I mean, they're not like a, a waterfall. No, that's the... Believe- that's actually the argument for against the round earth, the, helio, the, the geocentric model, is that the earth waters choose a flat surface right so if the earth is flat that's where they would go but if it's round then they should be all over the place and it doesn't make any sense so actually you're you're arguing the argument for flat earth you heard it here folks paul wilson flat earther all right it's gravity (laughs) gravity oh my goodness all right so let me ask you uh because you do you do a wonderful wonderful podcast uh tell the folks about it man uh, my podcast, my business name is A Happy Head because, Love you know, that. Paul Paul Wilson coaching is boring and there are lots of people called Paul, lots of people called name coaching. So my business name is A Happy Head. And the podcast, I've been threatening to do one for a few years and just never got around to it. And then last year, I was talking to a few people and I just said, no, you know, I've, I've got to start because it, podcasting is still relatively speaking in its infancy, kind of. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start one. But I wanted to do something a little bit different in the sense that I could have sat there in front of a microphone and kind of lectured people about mindset and this and that and the other. And I did a couple of those. I thought, well, if people want to hear my voice, which they do, they can watch on my lives on Facebook. But I want to do something a bit different. So I decided that I want to have conversation with people, much like you do, Brandon. Yes, sir. I wanted to have conversation with people who had overcome adversity, had gone through some difficulty and come out the other side as a better person or a different person doing different things and how they managed to do that. And all of it is kind of mindset related. So I've spoken to people that have had cancer and survived it. I've talked to people who have been in really, really awful relationships. There's there's one lady uh, called uh, Teresa Phoenix, and she'd been in two really bad relationships. The second one ended. She actually left the house with her two kids and the clothes they wore on their back, and that was it. And today she's now an entrepreneur with two, three businesses, and the kids have grown up, and she's thriving i uh, met people that have gone through, you know, all kinds of trauma and difficulties and challenges, uh, you know, single moms that have had no money and are now six-figure entrepreneurs. And I just love these conversations. And much like you, before we went live, we were saying, okay, what we're going to talk about. And I said, let's just see what happens. And that's what I do. 
The, the one thing I say to people, because when you sort of put yourself out there, there's been a, a podcast owner, for want of a better phrase, people say, oh, I want to pitch my business to you. And I say, look, yeah, okay, we can do that at the end. Yeah, yeah. But I want to have the conversation. So a couple of people, I don't turn many people down, but I've turned a couple down because it's like, let's have a conversation. Well, I started my business and I do this and I do it. No, no, look, let's I started my business. When I start, no, shut up. <laughs> stop it yeah just just stop be a human being we will get around people want to hear stories if you think about it i mean we we joked about me looking like a caveman you look great since we lived in caves we have passed knowledge we have passed on learning through stories before there was paper and books and tv and phones and the internet and all that kind of stuff we shared knowledge about where food was where how to hunt and how to do this and the ancestors and gods of what the sky was all this through sitting around the fire with the friends the neighbors and the family sharing stories and even today people love stories why do you think movies are so popular it's because they tell a story now we jokingly kind of like okay well he went <laughs> we down this that. road and uh, didn't go into the car and we <laughs> ruined that all together yeah but people love stories they love the hero's journey they love seeing people overcome adversity and you know all that kind of stuff yeah and that's what i do with the conversations we we i do very little talking in my podcast if i see a client a client if i see a, a guest kind of like running out of steam. I'll ask another question or I'll maybe make a small comment and then they're off again. Because I just, I'm a really good listener. You might not believe it listening and watching this podcast. If you're not watching this podcast on YouTube, shame on you. Okay. But I, (laughs) oh dear. But I, I do enjoy listening and I will shut up and I will listen. There's one podcast that goes on for nearly an hour and I speak for maybe five minutes during that entire hour because the person's got such a fabulous story to share. And I, I just don't have to say anything. She's just off she goes. It's brilliant. So that, that's the podcast. Yeah. I think it's great. So I will be linking to that as well as in the show notes. So your uh, Instagram there and as well as your link on the your Spotify page is how I found you. Uh, so we'll do that. So let me ask you a couple of fun questions here. Okay. So uh, I'll give you a challenging one and then uh, we'll kind of have some fun with this. So what do you think? the biggest challenge facing humanity is? The biggest challenge facing humanity is finding a way not to destroy itself. Because, see, planet Earth, I'm not worried about. Yeah. Planet Earth has got another 14 to 40 billion years, and that's beyond our, you know, comprehension because we don't know what a million looks like, even a thousand can can you actually picture what a thousand somethings look like? Unless you watch um, like uh, the uh, the Super Bowl, and there were I don't know, say twenty or thirty thousand people, you can picture twenty or thirty thousand people in a stadium. But can you picture a million people or a billion people? So now we multiply that by 40, 40 billion years. So if we completely destroy the earth, we, we kill every tree, every plant, every fish, every animal, and then ourselves, I'm not worried about that because over the next 10, 20, 30 million years, which is that much in the life of the planet earth, a new life will come. 
new growth will happen. Look at the dinosaurs. Dinosaurs were made extinct because of a variety of different things. They had their time. Then we came along. We wouldn't be here if the dinosaurs hadn't been made extinct. We wouldn't here. We wouldn't exist. There'd be lots of big, hairy triceratops and rhinotops and whatever else they were called. You know? And pterodactyls. Deuceratops. Deuceratops. And dudeceratops and dudeceratops. <laughs> oh. You know? <laughs> and butchceratops. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's stop there, okay? But we wouldn't be around. So we needed that extinction. We needed that extinction for us to, to blossom and come alive and, and do our thing. So if the human race dies off, planet Earth will do its thing and there'll be another new dominant species. Okay, but that's bad for us. I would like the human race to, to thrive and do Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Hell now, yeah. We think about Star Trek. Star Trek goes, the original series, goes to all these different places across the universe and they meet different races. Now, this is where I think... I personally believe that aliens don't exist. And I'll explain why in a second. I believe that Star Trek is the potential future for, the, for humanity. We start by going to Mars or the moon first, then Mars, and building habitats there. And as we do that, there'll be new Teslas and new Edisons and new, you know, people thinking of, you know, creating different ways of speeding up travel, wormhole, who knows what it is. And we'll start to move out and occupy those planets. And over hundreds of thousands of years and millions of years, humanoids will change. They'll become different species, adapting to the conditions on different planets. Sure, sure. And I kind of think that's how Star Trek is in the future. Mm-hmm. The reason why I don't believe aliens is, well, no, aliens probably exist, but they're the far extremes of the universe because mathematically they reckon it's pretty much impossible for there not to be earth-like planets around the place and other life forms have grown on those earth-like planets but the distances between those planets and galaxies are just again the unimaginable yeah the drake equation who? The Drake equation. Frank Drake came up with this in the 50s, and he said that they, he had this mathematical equation that showed all the potentials for billions of stars and trillions of planets just in our, actually, just in our Milky Way galaxy alone. Mm. And then now you're talking about, you know, billions or trillions of galaxies, right? So, yeah, the, the odds are not in the favor of that we are the only damn thing out here. Yeah. But the, the challenge is that A, they may have died out already, uh-huh. a bit like the dinosaurs, yep. and B, they may be far uh, behind us, they may still be amoeba, mm-hmm. or they could be just so far ahead of us that they're not even bothered about us. We're just, we're like ants. Yeah, yeah. That's... Let's, let's leave them over there. We're just like, I'm not bother. So w- one thing that really They're still throwing rocks me... at each other. Let's just leave them yeah, 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 absolutely. And the idea of spaceships been around the place observing us you're telling me that somebody's going to travel 100 million light years to come and snoop on us. It's like me getting on an aeroplane and going to Moscow or Texas with a pair of binoculars to look through the windows of a pretty lady. 
but there's there's lots of pretty women around me in where I live and in the UK. Why would I want to travel all the way to Moscow or Texas or Cape Town to yeah. do that? Well, it's yeah? the same. The, the argument for that is, is that why would they traverse such... Uh, daunting distances, right? It's so challenging yeah. and that's so far. Well, one of the answers might possibly be is that it's not hard for them, that it's easy, that they could just do it in the blink of an eye, that their technology is so far advanced that it's just like going to the corner store for them or just blinking and then there they are. Now, the other thing about that is we can even project a little bit of our uh, curiosities onto that as well because they're just curious. Maybe it's holiday for them. Maybe they just want to do it. Or, if you want to know my favorite one, that they are future humans and time machines coming back to check us out. Look into that, Paul Wilson. That is so much fun. It is so cool because it, it honestly, it's the most crazy one, but it makes the most sense if you think about it, right? From That's a, a Star Trek mindset. thing in reverse again, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Star Trek in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then they create time travel in the future. They come back because life kind of sucks or it's boring there or whatever. Or if you think about it, just like I said, just like holiday or vacation or just like they're anthropologists. They wanted to know how the pyramids were built. You hop in your little spaceship time machine. And of course, they look so much different in the future to your evolutionary adapting to the environment type things. Maybe they're so far in the future that they can create that technology. Therefore, they come back here and check us out. Entirely possible. Yeah, absolutely. Entirely possible. One thing that makes me smile, though, is most people imagine um, aliens are benevolent. Oh, no, I've talked we've to some... all seen. We've all seen. Um, we were joking about this before we went on air. We've all seen um, Independence Day. Yeah. They're coming to drain our resources. Oblivion is another one. That's another great movie. It's a great movie. A, Clones, yeah. Yeah, the, the, um, the aliens have got these big machines and they're basically stealing the water. That's why they've come here, because water is a, an incredibly rare resource around the universe. So these guys come along and they, they just take all the water away from us. But again, see, if they're coming to observe, why not just bring them the, the army, the, the, their fleet, and just come and nab us straight away? Why come and observe and go, you know, hmm. Yeah, stake on the hoof, 7.5 billion. We could uh, bring one of the super big spaceships with the freezers yeah. and we could have this place sorted out in a couple of weeks. Well, Why if, don't you just do that? If, if you, well, because there's a few options. So number one, if they are us from the future, they wouldn't do that, would they? They would let us continue evolving. They would take maybe DNA samples because I've talked to people who've had experiences from their perception. They're terrifying. They're, they're absolutely horrible and they did happen for these people. They're very real to these people. Mm. Um, and so... To, to the other point of it, though, if they are aliens coming here, why wouldn't they just show up? That is one of the big questions, right? And I don't, we don't have an answer for that. We don't know what their motives are. So it's, it's ridiculous for us to expect that they would just land on the White House lawn as we all want them to, or land in some head of state's house and say, okay, we're here. We're doing the damn thing. There's a bit of um, uh, exclusivity to their appearance, and they appear to people that people have had experiences Again, from their perspectives, which I don't have the right to argue with. And uh, then they, um, that's how they really feel about it. But maybe there's some reason, there's some motive for why they do what they do and why they also haven't done what we expect them to do if they were real, which is just to appear to everyone at once and just make it known. Because there's tons of footage out there and tons of people who have experienced things. And they work on a grassroots or a ground up level. They work with the farmer out in the field. They abduct cattle and things like that there there is a phenomena going on but we don't know enough about it to expect it to behave in the way in which we would like for it to uh, in my yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. i just 
Yeah, it's cool. So go, you, you got another question No, you're, you're good. I, I love this, man. Good. We, you've I'm actually good. checked off a lot of the things that I've asked without even having to ask it, and it, and it actually went in a bunch of great... You're phenomenal. You're a wonderful guest. I know, man. I know. I'm, having, just, yeah, go ahead. I'm glad you've realized this, Brandon. <laughs> I'm glad you've realized this. I knew it straight out. That's why we're doing this. Okay, so uh, let me ask you just an off question here. What do you, in your opinion, there's no wrong answer to this, uh, is uh, one of the most underrated bands or musicians out there, just from your perspective? Just for oh, fun. goodness me. That's a really difficult question because I wear hearing aids and I also struggle with uh, tinnitus, which is like um, white noise in the ears. Now, I love music and I love listening to music, but I'm not kind of like really big into music for that very reason. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, there is a band from the 90s called The Dead Can't Dance. Now, let me explain how I found this band. The oh, Gladiator movie. Okay, yeah. Soundtracks a Gladiator movie. There's a lady in there whose name escapes me, but she sings without using proper words, if that makes sense. Yeah, they did that in The Fifth Element too, yeah. And in The Fifth Element too, okay. yeah. And... This lady started her career in this band, and I kind of like backtracked. Oh, cool! And I started listening to some of her stuff because it's just I love the kind of like ethereal kind of music, yeah, and yeah, yeah. mystical. And cause I'm into uh, magic with a K, not yes. you know, um, not hit my sleep kind of magic, but the other kind of magic. I know exactly. So I that. think that there's a lot of stuff again in our imagination, psychology that we can do and achieve that we don't do like your parallel universe kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. People step just, into that bitch guys. It's awesome. Yeah. Step into it, step into it because we don't do it. And magic is a way of helping people step into that. Yeah. And it would yeah. appear as magic too. Whenever you start seeing the world of opportunities rather than of uh, obstacles, like it would appear as magic. You are actually doing magic. And I think what you said about your speech, you know, uh, that's why words that's why you spell words. That's why the spelling of a word, you're creating a spell. Mm, you're you're yeah. speaking things into existence. Now, there's and there's nothing really woo-woo about it if you just look at the science of it. You can speak things into existence. It rewires your neurons. Therefore, you look at things differently. Therefore, you perceive your reality differently. And then you follow different paths and directions would, from anybody's point of view, appear as magic. Absolutely. Arthur C. Clarke said something along the lines of any sufficiently advanced technology appears as if it's magic yeah like if you were to go back in caveman days with a lighter yeah or yeah. let's say ufos come here and they're flying around in the sky and they blink out of existence that looks like magic to us imagine you could time travel and you go back to caveman days before they've discovered fire and you don't have anything sufficient you just have a box of matches they would probably stone you to death absolutely yeah because there's some like this is like <gasps> shaman comes along with this what looks like a, a piece of wood or a stone, and he's able to like open it up. That's, that in itself is incredible. And then he starts striking, because don't forget, they may have you know, been striking with flints. He gets this little piece of wood and goes, and there's fire. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's voodoo. You know, that's yeah. like, you know. But so what I'm talking about with magic is that using it is a great way to release a lot of inner blocks and a lot of inner turmoil and getting you to use your imagination because a lot of the stuff we've talked about are imagination exercises 
getting you to look at things from a different perspective, a different angle. And in a way, conspiracy theories do the same thing. They're, they're getting you to to be open to thinking about things differently. And I'm not talking about politics and government. I'm talking about yourself here. Sure, absolutely. Looking yeah. at how you want to see things differently. Um, again, using the blue car analogy, an opportunity analogy, you can change your life by changing how you look at things, by how you think about things, by catching yourself, by not using the word try, the whole range of things you can do. But none of this stuff will work for you if you don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's that Garth Brooks song, The River. I love that song. It's, uh, you know, uh, may, may never reach my destination if I never try. And that's it. And I'll sail my uh, boat till the river runs dry. It's just a good song. Uh, I tear up a little bit every time I hear it, actually. So a little fun yeah, fact about me. The thing is, life is a journey. Yeah. That may sound corny, but it is. There's no, you know, life is learning. It's a new sort of phrase that I've been using recently. Life is about learning because think of a flat line. If you live a flat line life, you're dead. You're not living life because it's just flat. I mean, people talk about smooth sailing and plain sailing. You talk to any, any sailor who sails a sailboat, they don't want smooth sailing because if, it's, if the, the, the sea is flat, there's no wind. Right, right. They're becalmed. They're not going anywhere. Life is peaks and troughs and valleys and struggle and strain and good moments and bad moments and terrifying moments and absolute ecstatic moments. And that's the beauty of life. It really is. You don't want flat line. If you're looking for flat line, then go lay in a coffin and, and wait for 50, 60 years until you actually die. Here, here. Yeah. Yep. And the, the sad thing is a lot of people are actually dead already and they don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're living that flat line life. And they play it safe. They don't take any risks. They don't expand their comfort zone like what you said. And I love that, by the way. So thank you for that. Uh, okay. Let me uh, ask you, what is a silly word to describe something awesome? A silly word to de describe something awesome. Poor Wilson. Oh, snap. <laughs> okay. You know, you think Paul Wilson, well, that's a boring, really kind of like common name, a bit like yeah. John Smith in the UK, you know. But yeah, you know, Paul Wilson, oh, it's just awesome. Awesomeness. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Embodified, you know. Uh-huh. Do you want to hear what uh, my wife's was? Dick Dick. Go on. Who? Dick Dick. Dick Dick. Yeah, that sounds a little, like a two-year-old will say. It's, yeah. it's a little rodent, but it's awesome. They're adorable little rodents, but their name is Dick Dick. Oh, so that's right, a silly okay. word to describe something amazing, right? Yeah. Okay. I like your answer, though. We're going to go with that. Good. You should do. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So uh, if you could meet anybody in history, uh, who would it be? If I could meet anybody in history? Anybody in, in history. Who would it be? Oh, my goodness. The list is so long. Where would I start? Where would I start? Um, the officer that got stuck with the flying saucer story in 1947. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in Rock, um, Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a, I can't remember his name. He's, a, he's, he's an ordinary everyday army officer that goes out to recover some kind of material. And he's told to say it's a flying saucer material or whatever he was. He said he was told to say it was a weather balloon. It was Jesse Marcel. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's it. He was told to say that. But in fact, it was something else. And now the, the theory is that it was a Russian spy plane or something like that. You know, but he got told to say that. And then the, the spin starts to happen. 
And this poor guy, his entire life is tatters because of him being the center focus. I'd love to have a conversation with him and say, look, okay, what was it really? What did you find there? I think he came out later in life because he's passed on now. Uh, and he yeah. did say that what they found was extraordinary, that it had little markings on it. There was like an I-beam with little hieroglyphic type things on it. Uh, and that uh, the um, army actually came out and said, because the Air Force was established in 47, the same year that this was yeah. done. So there was no Air Force yet. It was part of the army. So the army actually came out and said, uh, flying saucer landed. There was a big... Um, headline about it and then they retracted it right away because they didn't want to scare people right uh so and then it was flown to fort worth uh shout out that's real close to me and then it was flown up to wright patterson air force base so and they flew it in two planes separated in case one of them crashed for safety so they would still have some of it to retain so i mean you don't do all that for a weather balloon right or even a crash rush in anything there's a lot of hoopla. you say that though because look at you know all of the stories of things that you know have happened and there's been denied yeah 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 but they came out and said it and then denied it oh so yeah, yeah they came out and said what it was because they were trying to be altruistic and then all of a sudden retracted their um statement. yeah, yeah if, but you, if you follow that logic right but, but that's I, what i'm saying is i'd love to have the comment i would have loved to go back in history to the the minute he's given the instructions by his boss of what to say and then kind of then go forward 10 years okay what actually kind of happened. Yeah, perfect. That's a great answer. Um, I didn't even think of that one. That's a good answer. Another one would be the library. This is not a person. This is a place. The, the library in see, Alexandria it is the most amazing library with the most amazing knowledge ever collated by humans. And then it was destroyed by some lot of heathen that came in to wipe out a city. And the, the majority, the vast majority of the, the scrolls and the work that was in there was just completely destroyed. Yeah, it's Imagine being able to go into that library in its heyday before the barbarians or whoever it was even had found this city. Yeah. God, that would be cool. Absolutely. That would be absolutely incredible. The amount of knowledge that we've lost. Yeah. Because I, I firmly believe, that, again, this is not a conspiracy theory, but we have lost so many skills and abilities because we don't actually kind of need them. Technology has taken over. That and uh, there's so many things to learn that it's very hard to learn everything. So there was actually yeah. an interesting theory that, and, and a good thought experiment is, is that if uh, an asteroid hit or something like that and took out all but uh, about 1,500 people in the world, okay, and we had to restart civilization from that, then I don't know how to make a cell phone. I don't know how to build a car. That technology would be lost because the, the people that know how to do that are not around anymore. You wouldn't need it. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need, need it, it then, no, because no. you'd only have 1,500 people to talk to, right? But, and they'd be, they'd be there. Right, yeah, we're all hanging out. <laughs> uh, You're all hanging out. So, you, like, so hey, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But there's a lot of technology that you wouldn't actually need. You wouldn't need aircraft. You wouldn't need cars. You wouldn't need all kinds of different things. And you would, you'd kind of go back to caveman days and you'd but slightly ahead of that because you'd have knowledge with you. You'd know how to build a fire. You'd know how to build better shelter. You'd know how to build defensive perimeters. You'd know about agriculture and how to plant things. And you'd be able to, you'd be able to do a lot more because the knowledge that you've already kind of picked up and absorbed. Yeah, there's a lot of noise out here. I get it. You would yeah, basically yeah, we'd yeah. be wiping the noise away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You get rid of, we get rid of all the crap. We go back to basics. A bit like nice. um, what are the the people that live in the states in 
Very simple, back to basics, 1800 style. Amish. The Amish. Yeah. They grow beards, they, but great. no must they grow beards but no mustaches. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. So the Amish, if the world was obliterated and the Amish survived, they'd just carry on as normal. Yeah, yeah, they'd be good. They wouldn't they'd have just to make it. Those... be a lot quieter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, thank God. Now we get to just ride our horse and buggy. Yeah, in peace, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. That's, and, that's interesting. Uh who else? Um, some of the great figures in Hungary, Genghis Khan, uh, Napoleon, people like that I'd love to meet. Um, Winston Churchill, oh man, I would love to sit down and have dinner with Winston Churchill for lots of different reasons. Um, first of all, because he suffered from depression like I used to. He was a multi, he learned to paint, he learned to lay bricks and build brick walls in his spare time. He had the enormous pressure of getting the country to accept that Hitler was a bad person, had bad ideas, and eventually was able to persuade people that what, you know, he was talking about was true and was made prime minister and kind of, he didn't win the war, but he spearheaded the effort that everybody had to put in to get to that stage. And he had an incredible life, that guy. He did all kinds of stuff, you know. Great answer. Um, another one I'd love to meet is Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Because again, he was, he was, he was a, a multi-talented, he was a real Renaissance man. Yeah. He had all kinds of skills. I would love to have met him, but he died tragically in his mid thirties in a motorbike accident. So sad. And my ultimate, 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 if I could meet anybody would be Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good call. I mean, that guy's brain is just like, must have been buzzing with all, I mean, look at the stuff he drew and the ideas that he had and the experiments that he carried out and the work that he did. Yeah, inventions, just, painting, I mean, all of it. He was so talented. Yeah, submarines, yeah. flying aircraft. Yeah. Um, his, his study of anatomy, when anatomy was still pretty much taboo in the world, you know, the, the study of anatomy was pretty, but he went and did it. He, you know, he drew all kinds of stuff. I would love to have a conversation with him. It'd be amazing. It's a great call. I love that idea. That sounds awesome. Great answers, man. I love this. Uh, well, Paul Wilson, we're going to wrap it up here, buddy. Uh, stay on the line uh, whenever we hang up, and then I'll uh, yeah, we'll sure, talk no a little problem. bit further. But yeah. uh, go ahead and, if you don't mind, just tell my audience sir, uh, where they can find you, buddy. Where they can find me? Okay. We can find me everywhere, basically. I'm on Facebook. If you go to Paul Wilson Coaching, you can find me there. Uh, on Instagram again. Guess what? It's Paul Wilson coaching. You can find me there. <laughs> Strange. Uh, the podcast. If you go to either of those places, you find my podcast. But if you look for a happy head and my smiling face, and if you're not watching this on YouTube, shame on you because you're missing out on me. You know, you're not going to be able to recognise the Happy Head podcast because there are several Happy Head kind of podcasts. But you need to see me. Yes, that one. That one right there, that face, yep. With a cheesy smile. There you go. (laughs) And I will be linking to all of those things in the show notes. So that's a great place to find you. You guys just uh, scroll down in the the down there. You know where it's at and click on it. It'll take you right there. Paul Wilson, I cannot tell you how much fun this was, man. You're easily one of my favorite favorite people to talk to. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon, for the invite. I really, really love having this conversation. It's been great. Absolutely superb. Absolutely. And I guess I'll see you next weekend for yours too, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay. A week from today. Yeah, honored. You're my uh, first. Um, uh, you're the first time I've been a guest on a show. I've always been the host. Oh, cool! Always It'll the bridesmaid, fun. never the bride. It'll be fun. 
Oh, it's a shame you're missing out. <laughs> I, I can't wait. It'll be good. Hey, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Paul Wilson, can't thank you enough, brother. My pleasure. Speak to you soon. Yes, sir. An absolute massive thanks to the brilliant Paul Wilson. We had such a great time on this episode. You guys, uh, check him out. His links will be down in the bottom of the show notes there. Uh, all around incredible guy. I know y'all had fun listening to that. Give me some feedback over here at the show. It is going to be at Expanding Reality uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, as well as you can email the show directly at expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you thought of him. Uh, I think he's a great dude. And if you guys have uh, any questions or anything specific about the episode, I'll make sure that he hears about it. Thank y'all so much for listening. We really appreciate you. You know, y'all go out into the world, be good to each other, pick up some litter, do something nice for somebody else, you know, and uh, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you.